Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Variety, celebrating 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. All of us were deeply affected, not just by the story and the characters, but by what happened to us in that room, mm. what we learned. Ann Dowd is known for her powerful roles in series such as The Leftovers and The Handmaid's Tale. Her new film, Mass, takes on another tough soul-searching topic, the aftermath of a school shooting. I'm Janelle Riley. On this episode of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, we talk to Emmy winner Ann Dowd as Mass opens in theaters this weekend. Also on this episode, we talk to Cyrano director Joe Wright. But first, it's your weekly dose of our chatty roundtable, all next on the October 7th, 2021 edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Back at you with another roundtable awards circuit style. Michael Schneider here to serve you up some uh, some conversation, some chat with, of course, the myth, the man, the legend, Clayton Davis. Who's that? What's up, man? Good to see you. <laughs> and once again, joining us as always, Jazz Tanke. Hello. And finally, last last but first in our hearts. Janelle Riley. <laughs> hey, try to stay awake this week, Michael. Okay, as we discuss film, I know it's boring for you, but I, I, I think your I think your pajamas are adorable though today. Well, who's wearing pajamas? What? Yeah. I am a professional. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> if you were in the office with them, then we would see yeah. them. But no, at home you're allowed to wear whatever you want. I was in a dress this morning for a Q and A, so yeah. so I've I've put on the the sloppy clothes. We're all looking comfy. Uh, you know, Clayton's got a, uh, a pull-out bed behind him. Uh, he was just taking a nap before he started. <laughs> oh, this. my God. <laughs> That's my, totally my, pulled out. My sister's here. She came and visited, and then she sleeps in my office and then didn't close the bed. <laughs> so only because it was you guys, I kept it open. <laughs> We've just gotten too casual with each other. Yeah. So, yeah, we're besties now. Oh. So, Clayton, what are we talking about this week? Oh, what are we talking about? Uh, New York Film Festival is still underway. Uh, Before we get started, I think it's important to say something at the top that we stand with IATSE. Absolutely. Yeah. I still put that out there. I mean, everything that they're asking for is is pretty reasonable. It's pretty like it's obvious, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. it feels like this. You mean should life? Not... <laughs> they're asking yeah. for a life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and honestly, like, uh, like, how did we get to this point? But also, can't we just? I mean, come on, AMPTP. Um, I mean, everyone knows that they are the backbone. They're the first people to arrive, the last people to leave. Yeah. I, I can't even believe it's a discussion. But the horror stories. Oh, that's so they're heartbreaking. It's like I can't go to a doctor's appointment. I haven't seen my children. And the pandemic really put things in perspective for so many of them. And I think, yeah. like, you know, how did we get here? Well, the pandemic really allowed people to step back and be like, I don't need to be working 14 hours, yeah. 18 hour days, actually. And, you know, people don't realize that if the strike happens, like they're going to lose their reality TV 
everything is just gonna grind to a halt. So stretch out those Squid Game episodes. Like Janelle and I are doing one episode at a time. I'm trying so hard not to binge. Yeah, but but. But it is a good a good point that you know one of the uh, there there aren't many good things that came out of COVID obviously but one of the things that you know the fact that we're having this conversation that we're having this moment we're finally I mean this has been going on for years obviously the issue of these long hours the low pay all the things that should have been a conversation a long time ago I'm glad we're finally having that conversation because it is so overdue. So if it took the pandemic for everyone to finally say, wait a minute, this is ridiculous. This is not safe. This is not healthy. This industry needs to have this conversation. I'm glad we're having it now. Yeah. And yeah. and they can afford it. Let's just put that there. And they can afford to pay them a little more. So no one's asking anyone. No executives are going to be missing anything, I don't well, think. Well, so. yeah, and because and, and, that's the other thing we need to talk about is is obviously when the when the, the last deal went into place, there wasn't the streaming revolution. You didn't have folks like Netflix paying $18 billion a year in content uh, in investing that amount. So if you're investing that amount of money in content, you, you need to invest in the people behind that content and it is it's a different business now than it even was two three years ago and that needs to be reflected in all of these deals so well that was the top of the meeting now now we get into (laughs) new stuff right uh new york film festival still underway centerpiece happened last week with Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog which we spoke about briefly uh on our last episode I, I don't know that it was that brief (laughs) Oh. <laughs> we, 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 I only know because I had to go back and search, search. for something. Yeah. And I was like, we kept, we also kept coming back to it. We're like, one uh, more thing about power. Of the it dog. was, it was, <laughs> it was a hefty round table. Uh, last uh, <laughs> I, I finally seen it and I get it. And I just want to jump on Janelle's train of Cody. I could not take my eyes off of him. And I just like obsessed with him now. All aboard the Cody train. Yeah. From 2009, that when it started, just want to point out, <laughs> in the road. He's been working for yeah. a while, but, th- but this really is a, a, a new turn for him. Yeah, stand out. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I want to, what I want to start there is because Jane Campion is obviously in the running for uh, Best Director. She would be the first woman to be nominated a second time. <laughs> As as we all remember, famously, Catherine Bigelow did not get that second nomination for Zero Dark Thirty because the industry was stupid and started <laughs> making this whole thing about torture and waterboarding, and she somehow became the culprit of that. So, she, I mean, it's, it's funny. A woman gets blamed for the Bush administration. It's just typical mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yes, I where we are off of last year where we had an abundance of female directors, Chloe Zhao obviously winning best director for Nomadland alongside Emerald Fennell uh, nominated for promising young woman with even a snub or two for additional women like Regina King for one night in Miami this year in, and I'm going to say quote unquote, what Oscar could typically go for. It seems like not a lot of uh, abundance of female directors, but we can hope that they look that way. So Jane Campion being at the top, Rebecca Hall for passing also just debuted at New York film festival after uh, premiering at Sundance 10 months ago or 10 years, which whatever that feels like. 
Um, any has anyone everyone seen Passing? Obviously, Mike has seen yeah. every film we're going to talk about today. <laughs> I have not seen Passing, but I'm a big fan of Rebecca Hall as a actor. Oh, it is beautiful. You watch that, and it is an incredible directorial debut from Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Stunning. Yeah, it, it, I think it is strong. I think um, much like we're going to talk next with Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, Rebecca will probably factor more into an adapted screenplay race than director one. So because director is hefty this year and two adapted screenplay is a wasteland. And that doesn't mean that passing is crap and shouldn't be there. It just means that adapted screenplay does not have a whole lot of uh, contenders that we see typically. Sorry. I just heard it's crap and shouldn't be there. That's what a lot of people will hear. That's on the poster, right? Yeah, Can you believe what Clayton said? <laughs> Um, next up, Maggie Gyllenhaal. All these actors turned directors. We have our Kevin Costners and uh, people make their switch switcheroos this year. Lost Daughter. Who has seen? Have you seen it, Janelle? No. Well, what have I? I fell into a deep depression in the last couple of days because I realized how incredibly unpopular I am with uh, with screenings. I but, think you're, yeah. I think you're very popular. Uh-huh. You're popular with me, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh, sister of Jake, but also a great actor in her own right should have been Oscar. I think she should have actually would have, should have won an Oscar for Sherry baby. I think that's like her gift to cinema. I love her in that movie. Um, but again, a very strong directorial debut, uh, helming the ship with Olivia Coleman, Dakota Johnson, Jesse Buckley, Ed Harris, and her beau Peter Sarsgaard. Mm, what a what a what a lousy cast! I know. Couldn't she, couldn't she get anyone good? <laughs> she had a really dumpster dive for that one. Yeah. <laughs> How dare she get Olivia Coleman? Yeah. <laughs> uh, can I just say a quick side note? I miss Ed Harris so much. Like I just realized like how much I don't see him as much in movies anymore. And I know he's been in stuff over the years, but you know, with four Oscar nominations, it's also one of those stories you don't know. Uh, it's going to end with Oscar until it's actually over with Oscar. His, his last nomination <laughs> was almost 20 years ago wow. was for it The uh, Hours. The Hours, yeah. You know, I was fortunate enough to see him on stage in Rex, the Neil LeBute play, mm-hmm. and it was done in a very small theater, and it, it's he's speaking at a, a funeral service, is, is the premise. And he's literally like two feet away from you in your face for, for you know, 90 minutes, and I was just, he's astonishing. He's the best. Um, but Maggie, very, again, very strong debut. Did you see it, Jazz? I haven't seen it. No, I'm okay. hoping to see it yeah. either in the next couple <laughs> of weeks so at the Middle Film Festival. <laughs> I'm not the only unpopular one. Uh, yeah, uh, but it is it is good. I, again, I think more adapted screenplay. Actually, I think she's the challenger to Jane Campion, who's going to be an adapted screenplay contender because Campion won uh, almost 30 years ago for The Piano. 1993 um she won original screenplay when she became the second woman to ever be nominated for directing uh next up is titan and janelle can you say the name for me julia i I was told it was titan just like you said oh i'm talking about the director's name i thought i've been saying the title right this whole time You never had a doubt about that. Forgive yeah, me I, th- for I thought it was Teton. That's why I've been hearing people say. I don't Is it know. Julia? Julia Decorno? 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 Sure, sure. Decorno, that's Decorno sounds good. Yeah, it's, it's French. Um, besides being just stunning, stunning woman, so tall, 
made me very uh, uh, insecure because I'm a very insecure man, especially when they tower over me like that. Titan is crazy and bonkers, but superb. Definitely original. And you're asking Oscar to get really cool really fast by thinking they're going to nominate this for best director. Um, But maybe they are cool. I will say this week, by the way, I think the shortlist is announced for France on their films uh, that they're considering for their French submission. Titan word on the street is, and again, this is completely speculative that Titan and Petite Maman from Celine Siama are the like top two contenders for France. And Celine Celine Sciamma famously was not chosen for France two years ago Mm -hmm. for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, And they're both neon films. So either way, they would win if it is one of those two. Portrait of a Lady on Fire shot by Claire Methon this year in the running for Spencer. Yep. We could have a lot of female DPs this year. I know. That's pretty cool. There's only ever been one nominated, right? Yep. It's crazy. Crazy. All hail Richard Morrison. we had some last year, but they didn't do it. And I'm like, this year you have so many great DPs out there. It would be criminal. I will yeah. write a letter to the ASC. <laughs> and if they... Do you have their they, address? Ignore- yeah. Oh, yeah, I dear, do. Dear I have ASC. the list of every single member, and I will be like, <laughs> Jazz, on, you, you should probably just make that a template and use it for yeah. every award show <laughs> this year. Um, but yeah, it, it's 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 very good. Again, it's bonkers crazy, but it's... it's. Do you think, uh, Janelle, do you think original screenplay is like... Because I feel like they are more open to... You know, I keep feeling, you know, uh, it's coming to us from Neon, who did the Parasite campaign and did such a great job with that. And every time I think the Academy isn't cool, I remember they awarded Parasite a slew of awards. So I, I'm, I'm hopeful. One, one week before it all went to crap in this country. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Sometimes I wonder if that's where Tom Hanks caught COVID. <laughs> don't say that. That'd be terrible. I don't even know if he was oh, at God. the Oscars. I'm just saying there were parties and stuff. Uh, by by the way, progr- programming alert, as we're talking about uh, Parasite, uh, The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror yes! 32 is this yep. Sunday, and uh, it leads with a big Parasite parody. Really? Uh, yeah. Paris, yeah, Paris, Paris D. Uh, yes, I, I watched it as well. That I actually, someone there does like me and, and gave me access oh, to that. Okay. It was pretty you, clever. You got the screener, I, yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to segue into that. Uh, into Squid Game, but <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get the we'll get the Squid Game. We'll get the Squid Game. But um, yeah, Clayton, I, I want to say real quick uh, because you're talking about directors and and uh, female directors in particular. I'm, I'm looking at the odds makers right now. It is not looking like a good year at yeah. all. I mean, it is a, a dude fest just going down the the, the roster. And, of, I, uh, and I'll, I'll even go further. It's a white dude fest. It's like yeah, yeah. just people of color are even like out of it. Like it's going to be. It's I, I am. By the way, I sounded the alarms last year. I was like, we were all excited. I said, guys, look at the year ahead. It may be a little light. I mean, listen. I think Jane Campion. If you're looking for a winner possibility, I think Jane Campion is the only one that can possibly do that. And people of color, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, Tick Tick Boom. That trailer dropped this week. Uh, Ronaldo Marcus Green, King Richard. Ronaldo Marcus Green mm-hmm. for King Richard, another Afro Latino. Um, Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro, and there's one more, like really. Uh, oh, Den- oh. Denzel, Denzel Washington's up here. For, uh, a, a journal for, yeah. Jordan. journal for Jordan. Yeah, but we we can see what happens uh, there. But yeah, it, I mean, it could be. But you know, 
we we one step forward, one step back, and then hopefully we take three steps forward uh, next year. But next year, I think it's going to be really. I looked ahead uh, to twenty twenty two, and it is. Oh man. Dense and heavy. Next Stop year. living in the future. Live in the present. I was obsessed. I was obsessed with our conversation last last week about Succession coming back and what the Emmys are going to look like. So then I just looked ahead for film too, and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be loud and rowdy." By the way, someone who's not being discussed and should be for both director and screenplay, and I feel like maybe people have just forgotten is Sean Hader for Coda. Still yeah. one of the best movies of the year. Let's not take it for granted. A year, a year of 10. Uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, she's also a very good, um, adaptive screenplay. Yep. Spoiler to that. Cause it's, it's just feel good when, when, when movies make you feel nice, like the tender bar, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's very, very sweet. Well, I wouldn't know. Oh, here we go. Neither would I, <laughs> Janelle. Uh, well, you were invited. You just couldn't go. Me, wait, me or jazz. Jazz. Oh, ooh, jazz. You couldn't go. I could not. I don't even know if I had the invite. I don't even know. Yes, I was like. But yeah, Sean Sean Hader. I think, uh, and it's Sean Hader, not Sion. It's Sean Hader. I I moderated a Q and A with her. Great. Look at that. It is on Apple TV Plus. Seek it out. Apple Original Films now. Make sure we clarify that. Sorry. It is on Apple TV Plus, but they're going by Apple Original Films now. Uh, yeah, for their film content, separating church and state. Well, you'll still okay. see the promo before you watch the latest. <laughs> I'm sure. Show, yeah. So, uh, last three <laughs> names. Uh, again, we don't know a lot of them. Chloe Zhao for Eternals got a new trailer. We don't know. I don't think it's going to be a best director thing, but again, they get cool. Lana Wachowski for Matrix Resurrections. And I, uh, even though I've seen it already, I do really enjoy Mia Hansen love and her take on Bergman Island. Agreed. Even though you need a PhD in Bergman to follow <laughs> it clearly. Uh, isn't Halle Berry's movie coming out as well? Bruise. Bruise. Okay, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I just yeah. we are um, possibly seeing it soon at a particular festival. Ah, when you say we, I assume you mean you and Jazz, and not me, because yeah. I was not invited. Well, yeah. why'd you why you go? Why'd you come, Janelle? Come come to the festival. I was not come invited. <laughs> if you want um, to stow me in your luggage. <laughs> uh, speaking Just of a director, it. yeah, no. <laughs> speaking of a director of color, though, I uh, want to go into what's opening this week. Carrie Fukunaga's Carrie Joju Joy Joji Fukunaga's No Time to Die. No Time to Die. 2019's No Time to Die. (laughs) (laughs) Finally arriving. Um, Worth the wait? I I think so. Let me me preface it with this. I don't really, I'm not big on James Bond. I'm just not. I'm just not. And I thought this was really good and well done. I mean, it's long as hell. (laughs) Um, And there's Jazz showing off her No Time to Die ticket. Um, but yeah, I, I, I liked it. And the criminal thing about it is that you have Anna de Armas in one oh, scene she's sequence. Amazing. Uh, uh, she's amazing. Kicking ass and taking names in one scene only. And you need more Lashana Lynch. Yeah, Lashana Lynch is pretty great. I feel like there are rumors she might get her own spinoff, but there's, there's that rumor every time a movie comes out. Yeah. I loved it. I saw it twice. I actually saw it on the Tuesday. Oh my and god, then, that's like twelve hours of your life. I know. <laughs> and wait, and then I saw the last duel, which is literally like another twelve hours later oh, that wow. day. And then the following night, I went to see Bond in three D. In three D, it is three D IMAX. It's insane. I am a huge 
Bond fan and it was yeah Anna de Armas criminally underused I was like oh wait that's it um, yeah. yeah, and she has so much chemistry with Daniel Craig. Yeah, this is the second yeah. movie where we don't get to see them. I'm like, Kiss, kiss. Yeah. <laughs> no, he has another. He has another female, but um, another female. Rami- <laughs> she has <laughs> another woman. <laughs> Rami Malek was also kind of underused. I thought um, for a villain, a he's not bit. very like pronounced. It, a yeah. three hour Bond, you think that he'd be, you know, he'd have a lot of it, but. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm going to see it this weekend. And that's what's concerning me the most is like committing to three hours to, to almost three hours. It flies. I, 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 I felt like it did. I mean, you know, please. I mean, look, it's, it's a really good movie. I think it could have been a little leaner. I think it would have benefited the film to trim about 15 minutes. But at the same time, you 15? know, oh, yeah. I'd, argue, I'd argue like 25. Well, every, but, every time yeah. he was kissing someone, I was like, this is where you could cut. I don't <laughs> need to see this right now. There's a lot okay. of those. The film has brilliant editors. Tom Cross, who won the Oscar for Whiplash yeah. yep. and Elliot Graham. I mean, you know, and, and not saying that it was even th- their call, but like. It just feels like it could be a little tighter. Yeah. And great cinematography by Linus Sangren, who won the Oscar for La La Land. Yes. Yeah. But it is great nonstop action. It checks all the Bond boxes. And the, if you're a diehard Bond fan, it there is a beautiful homage. There's, there's a lot of homages to old Bond in No Time to Die. So it's kind of like a perfect farewell. Yeah. Um, and we finally get to hear Billie Eilish no time to die in you know in the title <laughs> Grammy, <sequence>. Grammy <laughs> Award winner Billy Eilish already for No Time to Die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally. Again from 2019. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. I might recommend watching Spectre before you watch yes. No Time to Die, oh. as it is a direct sequel. Yes. Ooh, that's the worst one of all <laughs> of all the. I'm Craig not bonds. disagreeing, yeah. but it it's leads into this one. Well, they're all yeah. connected, right? From they're all uh, connected, but this is like a direct sequel. This okay. is like, yeah, yeah. totally. Right. That's that should be like a pre. Well, Mike, the, um, the 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 other thing I have to throw out there as as the TV uh, uh, geek here is I still can't get over the fact that the No Time to Die logo is the Love Boat logo. Like what? what <laughs> What, <laughs> what was the, what were they thinking with the graphic design? Like we all know that as the Love Boat logo. Oh it's uh, listen. Come on, I, I, to, to be a fly on that marketing wall. Um, also, listen, and, and I will always give a pass to Pierce Brosnan's tenure as Bond, which I always feel like gets a lot of flack, but it also gave us the greatest video game of all time, Goldeneye. And it gave us an invisible car on the Nintendo so, sixty four. Yeah, for all for all my cool cats and kittens out there <laughs> and 64 days um yeah and then also open this week uh and a guest uh on our podcast this week will be in this film mass from fran krantz who if you don't know him he was the stoner in cabin in the woods and he mm-hmm. made a poignant movie about child school shootings and the aftermath it's fantastic cast. it's real it's really good yeah it's it you know I, I they joked about this I just moderated a Q and A for it this morning for a variety that you'll be able to see later. Um, 
they the, the four actors joked about this, but also I think there's some seriousness in it that that this movie could have gone so wrong in so many ways. Mm, you yeah. know, and just I mean, for it, this would be an accomplishment for someone who had ten movies behind them, but Fran Kranz really, really for his debut feature film handled it with such elegance. Yeah, I also say that the the dialogue because I listen being in a room for a movie. Can be can be very very challenging for a lot of filmmakers, even veteran ones. Um, and it really, I think it moves really really well. And it isn't as this is Modern. really it's weird to say. It's not as depressing as I think people think it could be. Yeah, I think it's re- it can be very reflective. And I think it like obviously the premise is sad, but the discussions they have and then the way you see. Th- their relationships evolve post uh, a tragedy such as this is, is pretty remarkable. It's so sharp. I mean, that is such a brilliant screenplay. Which I think it has a good shot at adapted screenplay. And, you know, Reed Bernie won a Tony for his performance in The Humans, which I was able to see. He's fantastic. And then was, you know, did, did not do the film version. Um, Richard Jenkins, the great Richard Jenkins, the legendary Richard Jenkins, who I adore, um, took over the role. I, I don't know what, you know, the, the scuttlebutt is behind that, um, because Jane Hudichel reprised her role. Oh. I think everyone else is new to the cast, though. Um, like Stephen Young, that's for Janelle's mom, only. <laughs> like, only yeah, if he's why already- he's in- you know what? My mom was very upset because she tried to watch Space Jam this weekend because I told her that apparently Stephen Yun is has a cameo in the new yep. Space Jam, and she got thirty minutes into it before realizing she was watching the wrong Space Jam. Oh, that's oh. the first one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she was very upset. <laughs> that's amazing. That's sad. That, that's I was al- like, Stephen Yun would have been a baby in that. <laughs> well, that's also the good one. <laughs> I would know I haven't been able to see the other one. It's not on HBO Max anymore. Oh, they took it off already. I guess oh. so. Yeah, oh. that day and date's oh, going great. Um, uh, but, but I will say shout out to Don Cheadle as always. Um, no, yeah, always. yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> so ma- no matter what. Yeah. yeah. No, he elevated, no <laughs> he elevated the uh, space jam too. But anyway, um, but yeah, uh, I love Martha Plimpton in it so much. Mm-hmm. Like the whole cast. I yeah. know, but Martha, Martha, for, and you know, it's really, I hate foursomes like that. Cause then you have to pick your favorite child a lot of times. And it's like. It's, and they're all worthy, I think, uh, of recognition. But I think Martha Plimpton, like, she really punched me in the stomach for it. <laughs> and I think Jason Isaacs is really, really fantastic. Um, who was in Harry Potter, right? Isn't he Harry Potter, dude? Oh, yes, of course. He's yes, a he is. Draco Malfoy's father, Lucius. Also, thing that I'm not that big of a Harry Potter guy. I need to, I, I think I'm going to get through it with my daughter soon. I think I'm going to try to do a marathon. So many people, um, I know that mass might be perceived as a hard sell, but I attended a, a SAG screening, um, I guess it was last weekend, not last weekend, the weekend before, and people really responded to this movie and really, you know, wanted to talk to the actors. And it's so funny because people always say, they're like, I can't look at Anne Dowd without seeing Aunt Lydia. <laughs> and like, it's just further evidence that like, you have to find the nicest people to play the most evil characters. Yeah, <laughs> I, I still go back to Leftovers with Ann Dowd. That's what Do I you? said. Yeah. 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 I, well, uh, I go back to Compliance. I, I go oh back. Oh my gosh, it's going way back. I actually go back to Garden State because she's Natalie Portman's mom That's in Garden right. State. And I oh, love her in that. I forgot like she, about that. Yeah, she is. She's been, and she's in Philadelphia. That's right. Tom Hanks. 
He's yep. she's uh his sister in Philadelphia. She's been she's one of those who's just been around yeah. everywhere and she made she the journey person that just has gone through everything. Yeah, you know, we also we, we forget I had forgotten until I interviewed Jean Smart recently that she also was in Garden State. So That's think about that. that. A film with she both has sex with Jim Parsons, doesn't she? My Peter Sarsgaard Peter Sarsgaard mom and she's banging Jim Parsons. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but to have both her and Ann Dowd in the same mm-hmm. film, I mean come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Zach Braff well, yeah. apparently knew what he was doing. I know. And should have been nominated for an Oscar for compliance. Yeah. Um, what, oh 10 God. years ago, nine years ago? Yeah, so. that was like that was a category, uh, like, dilemma for all. I remember a lot of that season. I think they campaigned her supporting. A lot of people thought she should have gotten lead. It well, was like and she really, really funded her own campaign. Yeah, because it was a hard sell. But, uh, yeah. It's a great Gosh. movie, though. I highly recommend it. It's, I forgot it, she ooh. was in Lorenzo's Oil. Sorry, Clinton. Oh, is she in Lorenzo? Oh, she's she in Lorenzo's voice. She's the PD trick. I put, I just looked at her IMDb. Yeah, wow. like, what else was she in? But like, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I can't believe at this point that not a week goes by still where someone doesn't say, "I didn't know Rebecca from Ted Lasso was the shame nun in Game of Thrones." <laughs> I'm still seeing it. Like, don't we all know this by now? It's nope. just such a different show that yeah. it sort of throws people <laughs> off. But yeah. oh my gosh, it's so funny that you brought her up. I literally had this thing at the weekend. I was like. I realized I saw her on the West End in in um, Monty Python. Yeah, me too. I talked to him a lot. I yeah. didn't. Re- yeah, that's it. And I was like, oh my god, I literally saw her. I don't know if I if I still have the playbill from that. I do not. <laughs> I, I saw her as a woman of my dreams because she is just amazingly stunning, and I can't get over it. And she's also tall. How's your wife? She's great. Listen, <laughs> she she has used me to get to many a men close. Many a men. <laughs> many a men close. <laughs> in, and women close in this world. And I am like, she's ready for her next rich person. I say next rich like I'm rich. <laughs> her first rich person because I'm not going to do it for her. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's it. Season over. We're done. Mike, don't you love it? <laughs> and then, and, and back to Squid Game. So yeah, Squid what? Games and, succe- and Succession. How'd you like yeah. Succession, Mike? So I've just started digging into the new season. So, oh, so far, so he good. He was busy with Squid Game. I was, actually. <laughs> Episode one, Mike, was Succession. Oh, my God. Yeah, no I spoilers. To, I, but I, have to, I, have to, I have to catch up uh, season two. Uh, you're in for a treat, then. It's also so. been a long time. I think I'm going to just start it over again. That's not bad. Not bad idea. Um, Only one episode into Squid Game, but I just absolutely adore the old man, number one. And um, how much joy he is getting out of these sadistic <laughs> games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, just a reminder, uh, New York Film Festival closes this week with Parallel Mothers, starring <sighs> Penelope Cruz from Pedro Almodovar. And it is something special. So get ready. Special for Penelope Cruz. We saw that together, right? We did. We were together. <laughs> That's Janelle rolling her eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Janelle's Sorry, eyes make Janelle. noises when they roll. <laughs> All right, what do we have on this week's uh, show? Let's let's get uh, people to the good stuff now. And oh, Dowd. I'm sorry. Was this the bad stuff? <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're they're just listening to our yammering on. Yeah. They want to get to Ann Dowd, the one and only Ann Dowd. Ann Dowd, enjoy the ride. Do you call her Lydia at any point during the episode? Well, spoiler alert, I haven't spoken to her yet, so this is how the sausage is so made. Maybe we, <laughs> we, should re- we should record a few other options. This week, Sparks. Uh, <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.
Dowd is best known for her iconic Emmy-winning role as Aunt Lydia on The Handmaid's Tale. This weekend, she can be seen in a very different role in Mass. The film, shot in two weeks, details two couples, one played by Dowd and Reed Burney, the other by Martha Plimpton and Jason Isaacs, who agree to meet one afternoon. It soon becomes apparent that one couple lost their son in a school shooting, and the other couple are the parents of the shooter. I can't change what I've done. You, so you blame yourself? I'm asking, do you blame yourself? No, I want to know. I didn't come here to talk fucking politics. You know? I want to know. Uh, we don't want to interrogate. I can uh, imagine how hard it is to live with his actions. It is. But our loss. Please just tell me what you mean by that. When you talk about blame on your part, I want to know what you're referring to. There is nothing that wasn't covered in the depositions. But I want to hear it now. We never filed against you. We never took part in any of that. Maybe a better way than interrogating is to, to learn Fine. what we remember. Fine. So tell me what you remember. Tell me about your son. What would you like to know? Everything. I want to know everything. Why? Why do I want to know about your son? Because he killed mine. Mass premiered at the Sundance Film Festival to rave reviews and awards buzz. The film was written, directed, and produced by Fran Kranz, who most people know for his work as an actor. Although Dowd had never met him, she did see him opposite Philip Seymour Hoffman on Broadway in Death of a Salesman. It was receiving his screenplay that made her instantly agree. I recently spoke to Dowd about the experience of making Mass, why she avoids social media, and why she has yet to see the film itself. Just a heads up, as we spoke, sirens threatened to interrupt our conversation, and although we powered through, you may notice a few distractions. We began by discussing the potential of an IOTSE strike and her support of the artisans who are key to making Hollywood storytelling come alive. Full support, and uh, no one works harder than crew, no one. And everybody needs their sleep, everybody needs their health care, everybody needs a life. And when we shortened those hours to shoot Handmaids, the producers were brilliant. It shifted people's morale. Mm -hmm. Crew, I support them 100%. And I hope to God the right things happen. I honestly don't know how any movie or TV show ever gets made. There's so many things that have to, you know, fall into place for it to happen. And no one is offering them coffee, tea, a chair. Here's your, what you're going to wear today. That, to see what they have to do and how they have to maintain a, a lovely morale. I don't, I don't know how they do it. Mm -mm. I don't. And they, they deserve more. They deserve what they're asking for. So I'm sort of curious, like when you, when you, you know, did the whole award circuit for uh, compliance, that was largely a, a self-funded campaign, wasn't it? What, what is it? what is it like? How have things changed now that you're do, doing it this time around? Oh, to think of, I, I, I knew so little about that world. In fact, nothing at the time. Uh, wow. It's so overwhelming, I would say. In the beginning, I'm <laughs> trying to put it together. Uh, I will say that I'm more aware of my own perspective on it mm. um, and the wish, you know, when you receive an award, it, 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 this, 
it's a beautiful thing. And it's, you just feel so grateful and honored and everything, you know, you just like, Oh, what uh, me? Uh, you know, that, that really was the feeling is the feeling and just trying and just deciding to keep the perspective in place. Meaning how wonderful all of this attention. It's lovely for all of us. Just, wonderful the film because that story this story is important yeah this story goes beyond i can use the word entertainment it's a it's a it's it's a one hopes one's work it has meaning so to speak you know we all do so you hope that that the work you do all of us whatever we do that somehow it will affect some positive something and i think what fran has done and what the actors all four together have done is to tell a story that could possibly have meaning in a person's life. Um, because, so, so to finish my thought prior, it's in terms of the attention given to, to us is to keep the focus where it belongs always, you know? Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful thing. The work comes first and should stay first always, you know? It's, I mean, that's just, and the older I get, the stronger I feel. I mean, you know, come on, honey, you, you can do it. Because in the beginning, you, you know, you're all in. It's like, oh, and, and you want, and you, you know, you, once you get, and then I just remember stepping outside of myself saying, hon, come on now, let's do a little adjusting here. Settle down, you know, make your choices, keep, keep, keep your priorities, make sure you're clear with yourself. That's all I'll say. <laughs> you know hey, uh, it's wonderful and uh yeah all of it is but anyway so this film to think that it could maybe help someone to see or feel more importantly that that if if we can put down our rage our hate our despair our guilt our giving up if we can put it down just for a little while and listen and just step in to another's life. Man, so much happens. It's amazing. Suddenly walls fall. It begins to crumble because at the heart of life is connection. And despite we all feel we're different, no, I'm here, this is mine, this belongs to me. You didn't go through what I went through. You never lost it. Your son did. That's all about, it's all understandable. God knows. Mm -hmm. And I speak respectfully because I don't know that story in my life. Thank God. But the way toward peace, some level of lifting the burden or dropping the burden is possible. I believe that's true. I mean, we have to believe. Otherwise, it's a pretty dismal uh, outlook on the world. <laughs> Yeah, but it seems too because I guess so. You know, when you think social media, which thank God I don't understand much about, so it doesn't take up much of my time. Um, but it, it's become very easy to connect without connecting. It, to connect halfway and say things that you know what, if you were in a room with that person, that wouldn't come out of your mouth. And young people, how are they supposed to know that? Did you anyway. know? Yesterday, Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp were all down for like six hours. Did you yeah, hear about why that? Was that? I just didn't I don't understand. know if they ever said why, but it was 
fascinating to watch, you know, some people celebrating and some people really freaking out. <laughs> How did people find out if it all shut down? They tried to go onto the site. They like tried to go onto Instagram oh, and then Sorry. and then the one remaining site was Twitter. So everyone went on Twitter to ask if everybody's Facebook was down. <laughs> you have to deal with all of that. You have to deal with all social media, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have a, what I think is a fairly healthy relationship with it, as healthy as it can possibly be where I, you know, I do, I try to stay positive on it and I get news from it and, you know, try, try to look at the good, but yeah, it's, it, it's scary. It's um, gosh, silence, you know, peace, quiet, uh, no information, wondering how will I connect it? All of those processes have been put aside. Mm. I shouldn't say all. Has anyone ever suggested you get a Twitter account or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I just get nothing in me connects to that. I, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't have a lot of technical savvy in general. You know, the panic rises when, okay, click on the Zoom link because it's like, hun, just click on it. It's not the end of the world. Uh, and I used to love science, you know, but <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But also just uh, from a, from a, um, on principle, <laughs> the language of Facebook, I, I don't, this is not disrespectful to other people. Hey, I'm a big fan of to each his own. Uh, like me on Facebook. I remember hearing that language saying, I'm not, that can't be said. Like me? What is that? You want someone to like you? Okay, whoa, whoa, we're, we're getting way off track here. No, no, put that up. And then when I see people posting things, and I said to my daughter, who does it very well, meaning she's not on it all the time. She's, she's, a, she's a student, a serious student of acting. Or she's in graduate school. She doesn't play around with that. She hasn't got time. But she does post certain things. And I just said to her one day, and I tried to keep all judgment out of it. Honey, why are you... Um, why do you want to share that? Wasn't that a yeah. personal moment? She said, it was a lovely moment with my brother. I want to share it. I was like, okay. I thought you better step out of this conversation because <laughs> I just don't get it. Anyway, I'm rambling, please. No, no, no. I you you mentioned Fran Kranz earlier, the amazing producer, writer, director of Mass. And I knew him. I, I was actually fortunate enough to see him on stage a couple of times, you know, with Philip Seymour Hoffman and James Earl Jones. Yeah. So I knew, you know, he was a, a fantastic actor, but I think most people associate him with comedy and, you know, specifically Cabin in the Woods or um, not Firefly and Blanket, Dollhouse, Joss Whedon's yeah, Dollhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you know who he was? I mean, were you surprised to read this beautiful, complex kind of harrowing scripts and, you know, and, and know it came from, you know, the goofy guy from Cabin in the Woods. Well, I don't know that goofy guy. Sorry. I saw him in Death of a Salesman. Loved him. That's all I knew. And then I saw what he wrote. I'm behind on all things. I mean, forget it. It's no point in saying any of it. Uh, I was knocked out by the script. It was never a question, will you do it, will you not, of course. I'm honored to be asked. And then all that goes with that, hope I can do it. Hope I can drop in there in the way that is respectful because this, I mean, in all roles and all experiences, responsibility to character, to group, all of it to oneself, that's always true. This had a particular responsibility and profound wish to respect what we were talking about and what these people went through and what people in life go through. 
uh, so 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 that that was big. Then you know you meet the guy. Have you met him personally? I interviewed him oh, years ago for uh, for Death of a Salesman, actually, but that wasn't in person. He's a doll. He is the sweetest man, and he is in fact very funny and very. Uh, I'm significantly older than he, so my 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 impulse is to mother him, which of course he does not need. Uh, but I worry at all the stuff that's coming at him, you know, because he takes things in. He doesn't deflect, and he's there. He's aware. He's present. You see, he was remarkable in the shooting because, I mean, he was carrying a lot, but he never let us know that. We never got stress from him. He always knew when to come in the room, when to not come in the room. He was clear, um, as clear as he could be. You know, there are things that you can't say because the words don't come, right? He was, he, we all trusted him completely, um, completely, uh, because that's what he deserved. Actors know, you know, we all know, don't we? Like the red flag, and if we're listening, like, ooh, watch that. Not him. Uh, and we'd all been around long enough you know, the, the uh, radar was good for all of us, clear, and we trusted each other. Uh, and we knew it. That's, 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 a, that's a big gift, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And I, I believe I've said this to you before, but like for this to be his feature film directorial debut, I mean, I know people who have made 10 movies who couldn't pull off something this accomplished. It's it's just Stunning. And, and I suppose you never really know how a movie is going to turn out, but you probably had a good sense on this one. Well, it's a, a, thankfully, uh, my brain will not go beyond the experience of shooting it. I, I don't it's not like I'm, uh, I mean, I wish I could claim some credit for that. I, I just my brain, I can't take it. As soon as I became a mother, I thought you better stay with today, because if you think in the future, you're going to go mad with worry. So what is my point? Uh, I, I didn't I, you know. The thing that I admired, in addition to everything we just said, is Fran knew what he wanted to do and how. And he got a ton of pushback, constant. But no, they have to, there have to be flashbacks. No, they got to get out of the room. No. He liked the white, simple wall in that room. He had no desire to distract anybody from the story, from the story being told. And to persevere like that, boy, that defines an artist, doesn't it? Just you have a vision, you know it's right. You're not an arrogant person. You're paying attention, but you know what you want to do and you do it. You had a crazy short shoot schedule too, right? Like I, I heard 11 days, but then I heard maybe 14. Well, 14 days total, but four were the stuff before and after entering the room. So in other words, everything out of the room was the first four days and then Eight days around the table, we shot chronologically. And God, I mean, that was a gift right there. How rare is that? And we did, uh, it, was, it was a beautiful, and I think a blessing that it was a short uh, shoot. I really do. Because things fell into place. Just they, fl- they just flowed in a way that you said, yeah, this is the way to go here. You know what I mean? It was, all of us were deeply affected not just by the story and the characters, but by what happened to us in that room mm. and what we learned. Uh, it's a nice thing. I mean, it, th- these are all actors, actors, you and Jason Isaacs and Reed Bernie and Martha Plimpton. 
you know, you're, you're not there for the money. Um, clearly I think Fran, Fran said that the budget was $5. So, um, it's, it's crazy to me that you didn't know any of these people and you built this chemistry and, and you can see like, there's such real affection between the four of you. I've seen you interact with Martha and Reed and, uh, you and Reed were hilarious the other day at the junket. You were like swatting at each other. <laughs> oh God. He, I mean, I don't know how to say it. I adore him. I adore all of them, but you know, he would just he's very funny yeah. and he would do little things that aren't even, I don't even know. Well, you, they are funny. He's, he's just, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And so we have that still, that, that chemistry, you, lifelong friends kind of feeling like, you know, them from when you were two, which is not true. Um, <laughs> but, but isn't that what actors get to do? You know, one thing I would say, and I may have said this already yesterday, I can't, you know, we know how to get to intimacy because that's that's essential. So trust of oneself starts and each other and, and getting the armor down. And that's something that I think actors are comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And you all have those stage backgrounds, which I think says a lot about, you know, an actor. They're there for the ensemble. They're there for the material. You know, there's there's probably not going to be too many divas on set. Well, no kidding. <laughs> it was Jason, right? I knew it. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah, always knew. Uh, yeah, there's no time for ego. Mm -hmm. This no, um, not a minute. I'm always astonished if an actor misbehaves on set because the vibe is so clear. Meaning, are you kidding? You think there's time for this? No, no. Come on now. I know you weren't raised that way, so settle down. But there was none of that in this. None. I mean, literally no time for it. <laughs> Not exactly. When was the first time you got to see Mass with an audience? I haven't seen the film. Oh, I understand. Thank you. I, the privilege of, and I mean this sincerely, the privilege and the extraordinary nature of that experience. I can say I've never felt closer to a character in my life. And I'm so profoundly grateful for it. I just, I don't know what happens when I think about watching. I just don't know how. And I know my castmates are like, okay, could you just get it together? Uh, I promise I'm not trying to be difficult or precious or anything I just on a gut level say ah I think maybe one day I mean Fran and Jason have I don't think Martha did see it with an audience present it they said it was tremendously moving I mean to be amongst other people and you know very different Jason is stressing this very different from uh, shooting I mean seeing it in your room or, or in your living room to be amongst others in the dark is very powerful. So I will defer to their take. Is that normal for you to not want to see your work or is it specific to this project? Well, I learned a long, long time ago. I remember playing a character who had special needs. I guess that's the way we say it. And, but she found a way through her life and she had a child. And they, they were making it work, but a social worker came into the situation and took child and everything. 
and of course, which made this character distraught. And in the shooting of it, I realized, ah, this woman lives in the silence. That's where she exists and that's where life makes sense to her. Well, <laughs> this is many years ago. I was so excited to watch her because I wanted to see her, who was she? I, I liked her so. All silence is cut because it was television. And you know, there's not time. Mm -hmm. And so I was heartbroken. And then I realized, what is your role here in this life you've chosen? And it's in the doing. Now, I've done plenty of ADR, an admired cast tremendously, my fellow cast members, fantastic. In those scenes in which the gift of a character coming in with such generosity, in those experience, leftovers, handmaid's tale, I, I don't want to let go of that. Mm. And I, I don't know how. So I just say thank you for that. Um, maybe one day. I don't have longing around it. I have profound gratitude for the time I spent with those human beings that were so good to me in a room. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, since you invoked Handmaid's Tale, I know that, that that might be one of the roles you're most associated with. I actually just did uh, Leftovers binge watch at the, start of, the, at the start of the pandemic. Which, and what did you think, hon? Oh, okay. So I hadn't seen it before because I'd been warned that it was depressing. And I have to be honest, like, Yes, the concept is depressing, but I actually did not find the show depressing. No, it's not. not and I wanted all. to say to people, if you can just sit, stay present with the grief, <clears throat> with your own grief, just hang in. That's You'll what people are afraid of. of. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Who wants to? But but with Lindelof, huh, no words for him, and our beautiful writer of the novel, uh, you got to know it's going somewhere, me, yeah. and it will take you, you hope. Love, One of I'm the best shows I've ever seen. Me. Now I understand what everyone's talking about. And I want to see you as a senator, by the way, or a vice president. <laughs> um, yeah, but, no one seems tempted by that. <laughs> but you, um, it, it's funny to me because I think people are going to be, if they meet you, and I heard some people saying this at the mass screening the other night, you know, they're, they're a little intimidated because you're Aunt Lydia and you are so different from Aunt Lydia, obviously in person. But are oh, you sort of goodness. used to hearing that? You know, do you, do you know that you carry sort of this, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, fans are so lovely, aren't they? I mean, they're the reasons we're working. Uh, and, and they're just so kind. And I, it makes me laugh now because, I mean, there were times early on, <laughs> experiences I had where I'm sure I, I probably heard this or I told you, so forgive me and stop me if you've heard it because <laughs> no one needs to hear anything twice. Well, some things. Uh, but I was in an airport and I, it was the first season. And, and I know what, this, what happens because it's happened to me too. Someone will come up and say, I know you. Mm. I know you. Did, where did you go to school? And I know where it's going, but I'm not sure what to do about it because it eventually will dawn, you know, but you don't want to be disrespectful to whatever's going on. But this one woman was fierce and she was older. I know you. And she was like, forgive me. It was like we had met in court and I was guilty and she was going to find me. And now she finally did. It had that kind of energy to it. And I, I, I said, well, I, I don't think we've, we've met. No, we have. And, and I, I was just trying to gently, you know, let, let oh, well, I, let's think about it. And then I had to get to the plane. 
So I said, well, you know, hopefully we'll, well, maybe we'll run into each other, you know. So I'm heading toward the escalator. She gets on and, and she turns around and now she's going backwards down the darn. Oh and she said, you're the, you're, you're, I know who you are. And then she literally got down off that escalator and she almost ran. <laughs> and I swear to God, I just laughed. It, you know, it was very sweet. Yeah. And some people will sit down in the airport, you know, at the table. So how do I know you? It's like, hon, you don't. So don't sit down here, you know, hon, because I know. Oh, I know what. Oh, no, I know what it was. One came over and said, um, I know you. Where did you go? And we went through the whole, where'd you go to school stuff? And then I said, well, um, I'm going to get back to work because I actually was doing that. I said, love talking to you. And then she comes back five minutes later. She sits right down. I know you. You know why I know you? I talked to my daughter. You're the one in blah, blah. And so I'm thinking, okay, but you just sat down. And the thing is, I got to do my work. Uh, and, and and she's lovely and everything, but it's as if everything disappears in terms yeah. of boundaries. You know what I mean? However, that's not something we complain about. Shouldn't. Now I just get to the point. Yeah. I said, do you watch Handmaids? Oh, so, you know what I mean? <laughs> and they slowly back away. Oh, oh no, <laughs> oh, I just smile and it's very sweet. That's Anne Dowd, one of the stars of Mass, which opens in theaters on October 8th. After the break, Cyrano director Joe Wright. From Los Angeles, this is Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Janelle Riley. Pride and Prejudice and Atonement director Joe Wright reimagines Cyrano de Bergerac and his heartbreaking love triangle in a new take on the timeless tale. Peter Dinklage is Cyrano, who is convinced that his appearance renders him unworthy of the love of a devoted friend, Roxanne, played by Haley Bennett. As Cyrano struggles to declare his feelings for her, Roxanne has fallen in love at first sight with Christian, played by Kelvin Harrison Jr., Variety's Clayton Davis recently spoke with Wright about his new take on the story, based on the stage musical adapted and directed by Erica Schmidt. They began by discussing how the film came about. Well, I'd actually, I'd, I'd been developing the screenplay for uh, two or three years. Um, I first saw a very small um, kind of workshop, rough workshop uh, production up at the Goodspeed Theatre in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, it played to... I think uh, 120 people, and um, and and Pete was playing Cyrano, um, and Haley was playing Roxanne, um, and I was, you know, it's been a story I've loved for many many years. Um, uh, I loved the Gerard Depardieu film, and and um, and I'd seen it on stage, and it really, um, I don't know, being one of those kind of weird, odd, sort of teenagers who felt unworthy of any kind of love or affection. Uh, I, I connected with the story. Um, but seeing Pete play that role, um, I thought was, uh, a wonderful piece of casting. And I thought I could, uh, I thought I could really do something with it. I've also, I've also kind of wanted to do a musical for a while. Um, I like, some musicals um, <laughs> uh, um only some not, not yeah no, not all okay. not all but i like some i mean i i, I what's I'm, your favorite cabaret 
It's okay. got to be my favorite, you know. But also, I really, I remember kind of being really stunned by Dancer in the Dark and um, uh, Umbrellas uh, um, of Sherberg. And um, and so there's, there's a kind of, almost an alternative experience of musicals that I've that I've enjoyed for for quite a long time and so the opportunity to to do that and it felt like a natural progression of my work I kind of I saw Anna Karenina as being a ballet really mm-hmm. um I I like dance um uh, I'm really into dance and 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 so it it felt like a kind of natural progression how come you haven't danced in one of your films yet if you're, if you're um, because I'm not very good at oh. following steps. Oh. I'm more of a freeform kind of guy. Do you know what I mean? I feel like you'd be good at it. You yeah, know I no, I, I, I tried actually. I literally, I, I was Did so you? excited by, by by working with Sidi Labi Shakawi, the, the choreographer that I work with. That I thought, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn how to dance properly and i went and did some some lessons and was utterly humiliated <laughs> and um and went away with my tail between Listen, my we legs need that hitchcock like you know appearance of joe wright in every musical moving forward so you have one out of your no out I, the gate now. no my <laughs> version of that is that i put something made by my mum in every one of the do movies you? yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah. do that yeah uh, not many people do, oh. but every movie I've made has some kind of prop or piece made by my mum. In this movie, uh, my mum made all of the um, all of the masks out of leather, including the sheep heads, and uh, and there's some puppets appear in the film as well, um, which my dad made. So yeah. I have to ask though. So do you ask your mum? particularly what to like in specifically what to make or does she say i'll make the mask no i have to ask her you specifically to, uh, okay. yeah <laughs> and like, i have what, to what do you need yeah it's what do i need and also it has to be something that i feel like is definitely going to be in the movie <laughs> okay because you can't cut it i can't cut it <laughs> do you know what i mean so it's definitely got to stay there in um in pride and prejudice it was elizabeth bennett's uh bookmark um mm. and so uh Elizabeth's always got a book under her arm, so so her bookmark was 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 mum. Oh, I've never felt such uh, pressure in the editing room as I do right now for you. <laughs> going into everything, just oh, God, that it. bookmark it just gets in the way. Damn, bookmark can't cut that scene. You gotta keep it. Um, actually, you brought me nicely to my next question because I want to go through your filmography because you have a very impressive one, starting with Pride and Prejudice, uh, with Kira Knightley and Matthew McFadden, which, by the way. Uh, I feel like every generation has their pride and prejudice. Yeah. I, I've owned that one. I'm, I'm taking it as mine. Oh, I, know, nice. I know there's the BBC version and there's a lot of other ones out there and people are going to give me flack for it, but that's fine. Uh, then we move to Atonement, uh, the soloist, Hannah, with Sarah Sharonin, uh-huh. perfect human, Anna Karenina back with um, Kira, Pan, Darkest Hour, which got Gary Oldman his Oscar for Best Actor. What is has been your mindset going into filmmaking as you started back in 2005 and now venturing forward? My mindset. Um, you know, I, I grew up um, uh, in a, in a puppet theater. My parents were puppeteers. And so I was very lucky to be exposed to a lot of different art forms, but um, I'm dyslexic. And so one of my main sources of education really was through uh, film and television. Um, And I think I watched a lot, you know, I mean, I was, I was, I was glued to it so much so that my, my mum used to have to kind of 
pretend to hide the or pretend to sell the television because <laughs> yeah. I watched too much of it. And actually, I discovered she'd hidden it under the stairs. But um, uh, and then I'd dig it out again. Um, so I think the way I I actually think in film, you know, um, in the uh, some you know writers think in words or painters think in color and images i i think in film it's a time-based medium i think in i think in that time-based medium you know um and uh and when i read something or when i experience something uh i i i always sort of relate it to how i might project that as a as a movie um so it kind of it's something that's very it's very ingrained. I wanted to do it from a very early age. Um mm. I built my first set for a movie when I was about 7 uh which was um a set for Great Expectations. I didn't actually realize you needed a camera. Oh, I just so we built don't the have, set. We don't have footage of this. No, I didn't actually f get to film anything. I just <sighs> You're I just right. yeah, I just I just Learned built your this lesson set. early on, right? You have yeah. to film everything. Yeah. Mm. Um uh uh, and I made a poster, and I so I mean you know I I think I just went, I, you went deep with marketing on top of that. Oh, it's still well, well, I understood that it was about bums on seats, you know. <laughs> okay. Um, as was the puppet theater. I mean, I yeah. think you know we grew up in a there's not a lot of money in puppetry, and um, and we had a booking book that sat by the the family dining table, and uh, from a very early age, if anyone called, you had to answer the phone by saying hello, little angel theater, and um, and if if we had full houses, we had had good meals and we had lamb chops on a friday if we had a good house and mm -hmm. and um if uh, if we didn't have good houses then we had you know cornflakes with curry powder um and so um bums on seats was was important i understood that awesome um i read somewhere that you were you've been very uh influenced by the work of david lean the great director mm. david lean i just want to know what your favorite D david lean film is or what? Uh, Brief Encounter. Um, I, I kind of worship uh, Brief Encounter. Um, I was waiting for Great Expectations. I was trying to right. set you up for no, it. No, no, it's, it's, it's Celia Johnson and Brief Encounter. And I mean, it's definitely the combination of David Lean and Noel Coward, um, uh, I think, is, is one of the great kind of certainly one of the great British cinematic collaborations with in which we serve and then and then uh, Brief Encounter. Yeah, actually, uh, 1989, uh, British Film Institute named the top 100 British films, and Brief Encounter is number two on the list. So is it? Right, okay. Seven of his films are on that top 100. All right, all right, yeah. So Brief Encounter, Lawrence of Arabia, Great Expectations, Bridge on the River Kwai, Dr. Zhivago, Oliver Twist, and In Which We Serve. Yeah, I love In Which We Serve. I mean, I think In Which We Serve is an extraordinary example of, of, of a propaganda movie. You know, he was asked by, Noel Coward was asked by uh, the Navy to write a film, a propaganda film during the Second World War. And instead of writing some kind of great big brass band of a movie, mm -hmm. um, uh, he wrote a film about saying goodbye. And, and I, thought, I thought that was an extraordinary uh, and very British kind of, of choice, really. Talking of Brief Encounter, I made Kira watch Brief Encounter over and over again before we shot Atonement. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, let's go back to Cyrano for a second. Um, I, I have to give you a moment to talk about one of my heroes here, Seamus McGarvey, because I uh, love that you guys continue to work together because you guys make magic together. Uh, How 
is that how's it going <laughs> with you two and is, is it going to continue to to go yeah Seamus and I you know Seamus and I met uh soon after I left uh art college uh in the 90s um and I was working as a runner uh, on on music videos, and Seamus was shooting music videos. He'd just been working with Derek Jarman, um, another great British director, and um, and so Seamus and I met way back then. Um, and he was a kind of a bit of a hero of mine. Um, and then you know when it came to uh, we we made some short films together, and then when it came to Atonement, I got to work with him uh, on a on a feature, and it's been a a love story ever since really yeah. um he's yeah. one of the kindest men i've ever met he's got to be right and his yeah. his lighting is kind you know he's the way he the way he uses the camera is a reflection of who he is and and who he is is a gentle kind witty man and um and i and i believe that comes across in his work um i don't i don't know if you know this is generally agreed upon that 2007 might be the strongest film year of like the last like 40 or 50 years. Really? And you're, yeah, like oh. it's, first of all, it is my favorite cinematography Oscar lineup of all time. Right. That includes two Roger Deakins. Seamus was there for atonement, yeah. uh, diving bell, the butterfly and Robert Elswit for there will be blood. You are part of that history. Cause you're one of those great films. Like, people look back and the year is owned by so many of those films. Mm. Do you feel that, I mean, did you even know that you were part of that? No, history? no, not at all. Really. I'm always thinking about the next movie. I, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't look back much. Although actually I did recently, uh, in fact, last week, uh, rewatch there will be blood, which I hadn't mm. seen since it came out. And my God, it's a monumental piece of work. Yeah. Um, uh i was i was really excited to 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 see that again and um not as i say not having seen it for what 13 13 14, years yeah. 14 years yeah. terrifying isn't it no, really? we were so young back then we were, we were just oh i was a child <laughs> i was i was very green it's true i was yeah, i was you were, very green you were the youngest uh director to ever open the venice film festival yeah i know? was i was um and I remember someone saying to me at the time, you know, it's not always like this. <laughs> um, and, 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 and my naivety was such that I was like, oh, what are you talking about? It, of course, it's always going to be like this. And, um, and so, yeah, one's, one's learnt uh, since that some, you know, there are ups and downs. In a career, yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, so, uh, again, back to Cyrano, uh, Cyrano de Bergerac. The play, uh, Jose Ferrer won the Oscar for that. Um, first Puerto Rican to ever win that award. I'm very huh. rich history. And then huh. we get to Gerard Depardieu in huh. the nineties and now Peter Dinklage. What, what, I, I know you spoke briefly about this, but what really attracted you to the story of, of Cyrano? Like, why does it feel so timeless and it can be reinterpreted with different perspectives and still feel fresh? It's a very solid structurally it's a very solid story um uh it it really works as a story and that central triangle is kind of pretty much unbustable mm -hmm. but i think that i think it speaks to us i think we we often you know if we f if we fall in love with someone 
we think that person is the most amazing person we've ever met. And therefore, we naturally think we're unworthy of that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it speaks to that. It's about feeling unworthy of, of love. And I think that's something that we all can identify with. Um, uh, however, you know, we look or, or whoever we are. Um, and, and so I think it's a kind of universal uh, theme that goes through the ages. And I think, and I think that's why I hadn't done a love story since atonement. Mm-hmm. Well, Anna Karenina, but that's a pretty kind of um, destructive love story. I hadn't made a film about how wonderful love is really. Yeah. Um, uh, perhaps since, since pride, even atonement doesn't end particularly well. Um, and I wanted to, yeah. Um, (laughs) and I wanted to, I wanted to make a love story. I wanted to, to, to project that into the world at this time, you know? Um, what Sir, I wonder if you get the, because Cyrano, I feel really allows different interpretations of Mm. what actually is going on or how we feel about the characters and, Cyrano and other productions is always very pompous. Yeah. Um, in this version, Peter's very vulnerable, even though he opens the movie, obviously very pompous, that whole yeah. opening number, but you see his vulnerability. Uh, Roxanne, played by Haley Bennett, I've always found that character to be a little unlikable because I always mm. felt like like she just kind of is a jerk to, to yeah. Cyrano and doesn't realize it. And Haley really heightens that in the, in the movie. It's how great of an actress she is. So I didn't know if you feel those different, did, did you try to find a balance or is it just how you felt about? Well, that? Haley is a, is an extraordinary actor. And, um, and I was really excited to bring, uh, facets of her talent to, an audience that might not have been aware of of those facets before. I think one of the issues with Cyrano de Bergerac as written by Rostand is that I don't think I don't think Rostand liked her very much. Mm. Um and I feel like he kind of mocks her, you know, um the character. I think I think he sees her as being pretentious. Mm. Um and I think that's possibly about the time you know, when he was writing it, the idea that women were exploring their intellectual cultural life and gaining some agency in the world through literature mm-hmm. um, and poetry um, was, I think, possibly to him something worth mocking, really. I mean, he calls he calls her and her group um uh the precuse uh which apparently means the precious so i think there is something teasing if not if not out and out kind of uh sexist about about yeah. his depiction of roxanne and so I, I i was aware of that and i definitely wanted to pull it away from that okay um and to make sure that roxanne um actually was kind of taken seriously mm-hmm. And that she was a character worthy of the love and admiration of 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 Cyrano and, and Christian. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, I have to allow you to we're gonna badmouth Kelvin Harrison Jr. here for a second because the guy's too talented and we need to bring him down a peg. No, never. Uh, yeah, he's 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 so good in this movie and uh, he what can we what can we say about him that's bad? 
Nothing? Is Kelvin, no, there's nothing bad nothing? about right. Kelvin. Um, Kelvin is, as a human, kind of entirely good. Um, that's my experience of Kelvin. Mine and well. that's that's kind of why I wanted to cast him as Christian. Uh, I saw him in Waves, and I thought that was a you know an extraordinary performance and a, and a really great film. I loved that film and a bold film. Um, uh, and I loved both him and and Taylor Russell in that movie. Um, and then I got the chance to meet him and discovered him to be this generous, open-hearted, kind of innocent but never foolish um, man, and and I kind of, I guess I. I guess I just fell utterly in love with him, and and those were all qualities that I wanted to to see in in Christian. Yeah. Um, uh, in this version of of the of the story, Christian has been brought up to only think of himself as a soldier. He has great emotional intelligence, uh, but it's all focused on his soldiering. And so uh, when he's faced with the love of his life, he becomes utterly tongue-tied, um, which, again, I felt was something that we could all identify with. I can yeah. certainly identify with. Right. I really just – I was secretly hoping he couldn't sing at minimum, like, and he sings beautifully. No, too. he does everything. I know. So, all right. So. He's a little bit – he's a little bit – no, I'm not even going to say yeah, it. Yeah, it <laughs> no, I can't Joe, even you were say getting it. There. Yeah, right. I can't even say it. Because I, I love Kelvin. He knows that. And just it's just uh, – it, it, it just it, – it, it shows. He's not he's, even vain. No. I mean, like, you'd want – like, if he's going to be that is. beautiful, <laughs> yeah. just be vain. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just, be a jerk in some way. Like, no, he's just – Just a little vanity. Good, good human. Yeah. All right. So let's go Let's go to the national, these uh, – yeah. these very very talented uh songwriters musicians uh the letter yep. in the film is for me the moment of the movie oh. it's like crumbles me to nothingness because yeah. uh, it, it's, it's so beautifully orchestrated and shot and we're we talking about, about every letter every letter yeah, yeah. Is, is, every, is it every which letter? one is the soldiers the soldiers soldier, uh -huh. yeah, 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 yeah 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 i think yeah, it's, yeah. i think it's beautiful um can you talk a little bit about working with them to put this music together and then shooting that scene in particular um yeah i mean i i i found that uh song incredibly affecting and it's odd actually i i kind of because none it doesn't involve any of the lead characters it's these it's these characters that we've never met before and uh, and in fact we, we we you know we were trying to we were shooting up mount etna a live volcano and um uh and the snow came in and um and we had to move the set and we had a lot of very very difficult logistical problems in shooting that sequence um and it was suggested to me that um that i cut that song uh because it doesn't involve you know a lead um and i and i was determined never to cut that song because somehow uh, I felt it had the emotional uh, weight and of, of the movie, um, so so that so that no one could stop me um, uh, from shooting it. I kind of integrated uh, a wide shot into the dialogue scene with with Christian and Cyrano mm. uh, and made them kind of indivisible, uh, so that so that so that I then. Uh, I, no one, no one could kind of force me to cut it for I mean, you financial put, You could have put a mask in it from your mom. And well, then I could, and then I would have been able to cut it. Um, so, so we we kind of 
worked and developed on that song um, uh, over the months of prep. And then uh, we had the good fortune to be able to cast um, Glenn Hansard, who you might know from Once. Uh, he wrote and appeared in Once. Um, and Sam Amadon, who's quite a well-known folk singer. Um, and then a newcomer called Scott Folan. And, um, and he hadn't really done anything before. And the three of them became very tight. Um, and actually while we were filming, they started busking on the streets of Notto. Um, and, uh, I think to earn, you know, beer money or something. Um, but they, they together, they created this, this wonderful kind of ensemble, and then that song, just having them there in this very intimate setting, uh, and all the singing's live, right? So they're singing live on set and um, on a volcano, on a <laughs> on a volcano, and and it just something happened amongst us all on those days. It'd been a really, you know, it'd been a tough shoot, um, and it was near the end. And I remember um, the video operator uh, woman. Uh, at the end of that coming in and thanking me and I was so kind of into the into the um uh, into the, the 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 scene that I hadn't kind of understood how it had affected the crew um but there was an amazing kind of sense of us of purpose I think with with that song everyone felt connected to it somehow uh there's a line in the song where um Glenn Hansard sings um uh about his sons and um and that was the line that always got me uh because of my own sons um who I hadn't seen for weeks because I was filming and so that that was the one that got me and then we 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 burst out of the cave um and uh and we're we're running down the hill and i got the um you know this extraordinary group of sicilian extras um uh who came up that mountain and really gave of themselves to that sequence and we we talked about family and we talked about saying goodbye to family and we talked about how this song was somehow for their families um and again they just they just they just somehow gave these extraordinary performances uh i like to empower uh supporting artists or extras um to make them feel like actors we did the same with the with the beach scene and atonement mm -hmm. um you empower people and they show up for you you know um you don't treat them like sheep and so that sequence was I think one of the toughest sequences I've ever shot, but also one of the most rewarding. And the fact that that song probably in the movie, I should time it, but I think it lasts a good kind of six or, or seven minutes. Um, it's definitely a substantial 12 inch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and yet somehow um, Bryce and Aaron uh, Desna uh, managed to give it enough shape and form uh, and we took it down and brought it up and blah, blah, that it sustains and it builds and builds until that final um, drum beat um, and that final shot of the volcano. And then we, then we cut away. That's awesome. Oh, cool. Uh, two last questions for you. What are you working on next? I, I, I can't wait this long for your next movie, please. So, um, uh, well, I, um, 
I'm I'm writing something actually, and and um, uh, and I'm finding that very rewarding. It's an adaptation of a a a a, a, a favourite book of mine, and it's a a project I've wanted to get made for literally thirty one years. This is the passion project. Yeah, yeah, and um, and uh, so hopefully touch. Um, touch wood. Oh, yeah, touch wood. Uh, it's not for Micah, is it? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, hopefully that's gonna that's gonna happen. Uh, you, would you start filming next year? Or do you, yeah, yeah. Sort of towards the end of next year, probably next next fall. Ah, oh, incredible! All right. No hints on what it, what it is. No, yeah. I can't. Uh, no, okay. I can't. I have to ask. Just ask. I don't want to jinx it. Oh. <laughs> you know. It's gonna happen. It's gonna be great. Um, last question. Uh, there's always a piece of an artist in a movie. Um, something that's very personal to them. And you, I know you spoke about like your, your mom making stuff and your dad yeah. making stuff. And we're in this time right now where Hollywood is really coming to a reckoning with how we've treated the ones that really help us make movies and referring to the uh, IATSE strike vote and things like that. What do you see for the future of cinema and what would you like to see uh for those creatives that put their heart and soul into an industry that hasn't always given back i'd just like to see everyone treated with humanity really and you know um i'm not much of a religious chap but i i try to live by the old do to others as you would have them do unto you, you know, and, and, and we try to just make films in a way that is humane and, and engaging. But to be honest with you, I, you know, I, I never get to see other people work as a director. You don't, as a director, you don't really get to see how other directors run their sets. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and so I, I only know about how I do it. And I know that, Unless I have my crew on board, I'm lost, you know. I mean, it's why I play music a lot on set, because I can't communicate to every single crew member, catering, whoever, you know, um, the meaning of a scene, you know. I, uh, but I try to create an atmosphere on set through music that expresses the nature of the scene so if we're doing a very intimate sad scene or whatever then then i'll play i don't know um nick drake um and if i'm doing a kind of high energy uh scene then i'll play the chemical brothers and that um is a way of uh letting everybody know especially those on the periphery mm. uh what what it is we're doing i think it's really important to give your crew a sense of ownership of the project you know the films it's not mine it's ours um we're making this together and that's but that's what i love about making films is the collaborative experience you know and and i always um on every film i have a weird moment where i suddenly see everything very clearly and i'm and and i'm sitting there next to the camera and i'm seeing the focus puller with his measuring tape and i'm seeing the makeup artists powder the actors faces and i'm seeing the actors kind of going through their lines in their heads and i'm seeing the gaffer whispering in the dp's ear 
um, as the DP takes a light meet reading, and I'm seeing the the you know the electricians up in the rigging with their with their you know heavy leather gloves on, and I and I see. I see the young ACs sort of um, excitedly uh, reloading the camera and I see everyone playing their role like a beautiful machine and I know my role in it and they know their roles and that for me is a kind of divine moment where I can see the thing as a whole and we are a little ecosystem and if we don't all play our roles, the whole thing collapses. And so uh, it has to be balanced and it has to be respectful and it has to be true, you know. And it's not about being liked or disliked or any of that stuff. You know, I remember I used to kind of, when I started out, I used to want everyone to like me, you know. Um, it's not about that. It's just about being aware of the ecosystem of our set and being respectful of that. That's awesome. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And I'm sure your crew members also appreciate that. Well, um, I love them. Well, yeah. I mean, I do. I love them. You know, they're part of my life. You know, I spend my life with them. Except for Kelvin Harrison Jr., remember, remember not him. He's persona not. non grata oh, yeah. just for being too nice. Yeah. Um, Listen, uh, gang, congratulations on the movie. I do, as a film awards editor, I just have to say and put out there, you directed two Best Picture nominee, uh, nominated films, Atonement and Darkest Hour, and we have yet to see a Joe Wright in Best Director. I would like to see that change well, in the very near future. I don't know. It would be nice. But to be honest with you, um, what's important to me is the next film. And so... Um, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. That's, that's the one. Yeah, the, pa the passion project. That's no, I mean, always the next film. Yeah, always you know, the next film. Okay. Always the next film. And, uh, and, and the great thing about... Uh, the award stuff is that it allows me to make another one. Hmm. You know, I remember when I made Pride and Prejudice and I had this um, lovely producer, Paul Webster, hmm. and he said to me, um, you know, only one in 10 first time filmmakers ever get to make a second film. And I was like, Jesus, one in 10, that's terrible. And then you made a torment. <laughs> um, uh, so I thought, all right, this better be good because I want to make another one. And right. so it's always just about, you know, the 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 work and and the work itself is the reward. That's Joe Wright, director of Cyrano, which hits select theaters on December 31st. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head over to Variety.com and click on the Awards Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions in key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Clayton Davis, and Michael Schneider, I'm Janelle Riley. We'll see you on the circuit. <laughs>